0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Onset with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. Today we have an amazing guest, a composer and my professor at Johns Hopkins University, Thomas Dolby. Thomas has worked on such incredible movies, ranging from Fever Pitch, Gothic, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, and Howard the Duck. In this episode, we talk about how he got his start in the industry after his career as a musician with his hit song, Blinding Me With Science. We also talk about his process when creating a score for a movie. Now, please enjoy my interview with Thomas Dolby. Thank you so much, Professor Dolby, for being on my podcast.
1: Thank you. Uh, My name is Thomas Dolby. I'm a professor of the arts at Johns Hopkins University, uh, where I teach in the film department. I teach a couple of classes. One is in film music. Um, I am part of the new JHU Micah film center in Station North, which has recently been opened and was converted from a 1930s Art Deco cinema. We've now launched a combined film program here and I'm the director of the Sound on Film uh, course at the new film center.
0: Okay, Um, so you also have a career in the film industry. As a composer uh, working with music on film, uh, kind of explain what you do when you're working on a film, uh, both on a day-to-day and also in the long run when you're making
1: music. So I've done a couple of full-scale film scores uh, for movies uh, where I have received a picture and composed original music from scratch and recorded it and mixed it with um, sound and dialogue and so on. Uh, The most recent of these I did uh, was a Ken Russell feature called Gothic. Um, Prior to that, I did a film called Fever Pitch uh, for Quincy Jones' production company. The other work that I've done has generally been songs in films, and I've done uh, songs in a number of films, um, ranging from uh, animated features for Steven Spielberg's company, um, such as we're back a dinosaur's story, through to another animation called Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, and various things in between, uh, even the ill-famed, but now cult status, uh, 1985 movie, Howard the Duck.
0: Okay, so uh, on those films, uh, what would you say are some of your most, I guess, proudest, uh, you know, that you've worked on, or some of your favorite, and the most fun that we, uh, to make?
1: I'd say probably the best experience was working on Gothic with Ken Russell. It was a full orchestral score, the one and only time that I've worked with a full orchestra. Um, I'm not a classically trained musician. I taught myself using synthesizers. Uh, I left school at 16 to work in a fruit and veg shop and pay for my electronic music habit. Um, Anything I know about instrumentation has been from doodling with machines. Uh, So it's not always um, conventionally correct. if a violin doesn't go low enough, I would just twiddle a knob and make it go lower. Uh, this proved to be a bit of a handicap when it came to orchestrating for actual instruments, uh, because you can't just retune a violin on the spur of a moment. Uh, but I had a great time doing it, and um, much of the music that I composed for that there was a lot. It was pretty much wall-to-wall music in that film, and I recorded it in London at Angel Studios with the London Symphony Orchestra, uh, which is a fantastic and very uplifting experience. Um, it was also great to work with Ken Russell who's a very knowledgeable uh, guy, knows everything about classical music and his favorite part of the filmmaking process was working with the composer. Um, Ken is no longer with us but uh, uh, certainly one of my best experiences in, in film scoring.
0: Um, so I guess on a film like that, I kind of describe your process, um, you know, kind of looking at it from an overview and um, when you're executing your, the film.
1: Well, the the basic function of music in film is to do things like establishing time and place, uh, setting a mood, um, creating empathy or sympathy for different characters, maybe associating a musical theme with a given character, uh, creating subtext uh, such as suspense, tension, um, uh, creating sinister or comedic aspects of a of a scene, uh, and matching and enhancing the emotions and the drama within a scene. Um, so before you think about stylism, you have to think about those basic functions. Uh, if I'm doing a period piece, as was the case with Gothic, because this is a film about Byron and Shelley, um, you have to come up with a style that is not completely out of place with what they're doing, unless of course you're going completely against the grain and you know using punk rock to score a, a period piece. Um, but in most cases you will want to uh, help sell both the era in history and the location. Um, And you can very often save the producers a bunch of money. Um, You need a scene set in Moscow where you find an ugly block of um, uh, apartment Uh, projects and you put some fake digital snow outside the window and put people in fur coats and play balalaika music and hey presto you've created an impression of Russia and saved a hundred grand so you didn't have to send the production team over there to shoot it Um, similarly a beach could be a beach in the Caribbean or Hawaii or, or South America and just by changing the style of the music you can change the location um, so there's a lot of functions of music like that um, before you stop to think about the style. The other thing is that I think a lot of composers go into a film scoring project thinking they're going to create their masterpiece, it'll get premiered at Cannes and they'll win an Oscar for best score, it'll become world famous and so on. But As a composer, you're really just a name on the crew sheet, along with lighting guys and carpenters and electricians. And you have to sort of be a team player and realise that you're just, if you're doing your job right, there's a good chance that people didn't notice the music. They didn't leave the theatre humming it. It was just a subliminal part of the whole piece, like lighting.
0: Okay, cool. So on, I guess, a more day-to-day basis, when uh, you, you've written uh, your, your score uh, and you're in the recording studio, can you kind of describe what it's like on one of those days?
1: Yeah, I mean, very often, rather than go straight in with a full orchestra, uh, you will have done what's called a temp score. An attempt score might involve just a piano blueprint for the piece. It might involve using synthesizers and samplers to simulate what the orchestra is going to do. Um, obviously, given the high quality of uh, computer software these days, you can get you can approximate the sound of an orchestra and get very close to it as far as the audience is concerned. Uh, arguably, it'll never have the feeling and the the true emotion that an orchestra has. Uh, but the flip side is the production may not have an appropriate budget to do that so you may end up using that temp score as the score itself. Um, if you're lucky enough to work with an orchestra um, then you will make the transition to the real score but only once the director and possibly the producers have sort of signed off on the concept of it. So it's basically a quick and down and dirty way to get a sense of whether you're on the right track with a with a score um, before you spend the big bucks on an orchestra. So typically, you know, to answer your question, um, a day spent in the studio will very often be all about getting consensus as to the direction of the music and how to go about it um, before the final um, master recording is put in place.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so let's back up to uh, the beginning of your career. Um, so you started, uh, you know, making music you had the hit song Blinded Me With Science. How did you get from that uh, into the world of film and composing?
1: Well, after I first had commercial success, with she blinded me with science and with MTV appearances and so on, a lot of things started opening up to me, different collaborations with different artists and opportunities in other media. And I'd always been very keen to do some film scoring. Um, so I jumped at a chance when uh, a rock producer, um, Quincy Jones, uh, who was in Los Angeles and had a production company, uh, invited me to work on a film that uh, he was producing. And that was really my entry into film scoring. That was a movie called Fever Pitch.
0: Cool. Um, so, I mean, I guess that path isn't, you know, likely for most people entering the entertainment industry, but would you suggest uh, something maybe similar where they use their uh, connections like you did with Quincy Jones um, to you know move up the ranks of the industry?
1: I think a lot of um, pop artists and musicians aspire to be uh, film score makers. Uh, several have made the transition very successfully, people like Trent Reznor and Danny Elfman and so on. And when they do that, often it's a breath of fresh air because not coming from the conventional classical music world, they will bring a, a new point of view to film scoring. And uh, in, in both cases, it's raised some eyebrows when untrained rock performers make that transition. Um, but once they get past the, uh, the, the sort of abuse from the conventional film scoring world, um, they end up doing very interesting original scores. Trent Reznor, as you probably know, won an Oscar for a Social Network and did a fantastic job uh, without veering too far away from uh, his own style. Uh, he managed to score that film with um, what we call diegetic music, meaning source music from a, a stereo, from, a, um, from a, a computer, from a radio, from a, you know, the soundtrack of a club, um, the music in a restaurant. He used those soundtracks by and large to actually score the film and did a great job with it, and so sort of stayed true to himself. And he's done more conventional scoring as well for things like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, similarly, uh, Johnny Greenwood did an amazing job with uh, There Will Be Blood, um, and that was unlike Radiohead's music, that was you know, full on um, string section and conventional uh, instrumentation and a sort of modernistic approach to classical scoring. And he also did an amazing uh, job with that. So, you know, I'm in good company in terms of um, rock musicians who have crossed over to scoring.
0: OK, um, so as we wrap up, I guess, in addition to the ones that you've already touched on, uh, what films would you recommend uh, for a young filmmaker, a young composer to watch uh, if they want to get into the industry and uh, what makes them so great?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, you've got to out of modern composers, you've got to pay attention to people like Hans Zimmer um, Go and see, you know, Gladiator on a big screen, um, or uh, Interstellar. Um, people like Alexandra Desplat um, do fantastic scoring. Um, you know, the 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 conventional masters of the modern era would include people like James Horner, um, James Newton Howard, uh, and and so on. And it's important to be aware of those composers, but at the same time to recognise that um, often an interesting point of view is sort of missing in the score. And um, a lot of Hollywood films tend to be scored in a rather formulaic way. In many ways, I think this is really a new golden age for TV, and uh, as is the case with writing and directing and acting for TV, when you have, you know, 12 episodes and five seasons to play with, you can introduce much more interesting arcs to the character and you can develop character and story a lot more effectively than you can in a 90 minute Hollywood movie, which needs to be very formulaic. And so I think there's some interesting uh, work being done in um, TV scoring as well. For example, Dave Porter's work on. Um, uh, uh, Better Call Saul and uh, Breaking Bad, and uh, House of Cards uh, also has an excellent film work um, by Jerry Beale. I think his name is. You have to look that up. Um, and uh, so I think you know in in TV there's been some interesting stuff going on. David Byrne even did some episodes of Big Love. Um, and so there's there's some interesting work going on in in TV, uh, which is different uh, a different approach from a lot of film work.
0: Okay, uh, so final question. Uh, What advice would you give to a young filmmaker or a young composer?
1: I think if you're a young filmmaker or a young composer starting out, um, you have to recognize the very organic interaction between music and film and how important it is that uh, that the two of you collaborate on those things. Um, In this industry, it's unusual that... Uh, a partnership emerges, but a lot of the best scores over the years, you know, going back to I don't know, Alfred Hitchcock and Bernard Herrmann, um, through to um, David Fincher and Trent Reznor or Danny Elfman and and um, and um, uh, Tim uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton, thank you. Yes. Going through to Danny Elfman and Tim Burton um, have come about because there's been an autonomy between the filmmaker and the composer. Um, which is all too rare in Hollywood. Very often there's a sort of committee will sit down and make decisions. Uh, but the best music invariably results when they, they have autonomy and they get to make their own decisions. Um, when you're starting out, it's very hard to break into uh, filmmaking. Um, but in fact, if you approach a film school such as Johns Hopkins or Micah, um, very often they have student films that are crying out for um, scores to be composed. Um, you're not going to make a fortune from it, but you might just get a great piece of music into an interesting film that gets shown at festivals. And from there, you could you could maybe attract some attention and actually get hired and paid properly to, to do a film.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you. That was my interview with Thomas Dolby. Thank you so much to Professor Dolby for the incredible interview. And to everyone else, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.